Then when I became president, he was, I think, one of the most loyal people. He, there was no jealousy. You know, a lot of times in families, I hate to say it, but there's jealousy, and especially among uh, children and among children that are competitive children. There's, there was not an ounce of jealousy. He'd go around talking about how great this is for the country, and it's so incredible, and, and he was my biggest fan. That's Donald Trump talking about his brother who died over the weekend. Donald Trump uh, tweeted out, he was not just my brother, he was my best friend. He will be greatly missed. We will meet again. Everybody, um, I think, is wondering the same thing I am. Did he have the vid? I haven't heard that. He, I, he passed away after a severe illness. That's all I heard. I didn't even know Donald Trump had a brother until the story broke last week. And uh, he really didn't. He was a guy who didn't want to be. Uh, in the spotlight at all. I mean, yeah, he was supposed to be a very gentle soul. It's just interesting is, that yeah. a, a different brother than the one whose niece wrote the book, right? Yeah, that brother passed away uh, alcoholism, right? Right, right, yeah. right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, it, it's interesting that two people from the same family, though, could be so different. I mean, Donald Trump oh, clearly yeah. has wanted to be in the spotlight every second of his life yeah. since he was very young, and then this guy just really, really didn't want anybody to know what was going on well if you knew my three kids you'd think how can they possibly have the same genetic material um they're so different from each other by the way speaking of uh producing children sort of indirectly story out of australia guy saved his wife from a great white shark attack gotta believe he's gonna get some love in the night (sighs) you know like good what we mean no oh okay no all right all right yeah Yeah. guess next time shark all just uh you know I'll go get a drink or something. Just reapply the sunscreen. I'm not. I'm not sure that's a good way to run a marriage. Saying something like that, but uh, I'm, I'm hoping she. He doesn't even have to ask. I would just hope. saying. Yeah, just saying. All right. I say if I'm him, you're ever in the mood, you just go. Duh, duh. Duh, 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 duh. Love shark. Oh boy. Oh boy. Well, it's another night of not being eaten by a shark. Can you think of anything you'd like to do, sweetheart? (laughs) If you're ever in the mood, what does that mean for a dude? (laughs) Oh, boy. So uh, I really ought to have transition music here because I'm going to bring up a a fabulous woman, one of the the, the princesses of American journalism. Transition music, please. (laughs) Haven't heard this one in a while. Everybody sing along. That song is funny. It really is. So our friend Deborah Saunders has written a piece entitled Kamala Harris, Progressive Opportunist. And she makes the point that when uh, uh, doddering old fool Joe Biden announced Kamala Harris, D. Califf would be his running mate, running mate, a New York Times tweet labeled Harris a pragmatic moderate. Yeah, that's gotten a lot of attention. Yeah, I know. As uh, Deborah writes, as someone who covered her as San Francisco prosecutor and California attorney general, I'd say a more apt description is progressive opportunist. And then she mentions the two big controversies. She was a big supporter of San Francisco's sanctuary city policies uh, in the 80s and 90s. Um, And she's she's been hardcore saying no cooperation between local law enforcement and federals, including getting really dangerous rapists and murderers off the streets. Just wants a high wall between those two, uh, you know, law enforcement bodies, which is just sickening. And Deborah name checks um, 
several uh, criminals and, and awful, awful uh, crimes and victims uh, protected by uh, Harris. Um, in, in fact, she tells the story of Edwin Ramos, who in 2003 assaulted a man, was convicted. San Francisco did not notify immigration authorities, even though he was illegal. Uh, city law enforcement also did not contact federal immigration officials after Ramos was convicted for trying to rob a pregnant woman and her brother, a felony. Harris did not prosecute Ramos by then a twice convicted felon after he was stopped by police in a car without plates and illegally tinted windows. And one of those fleeing tried to ditch a gun later tied to a double murder. Still didn't prosecute him did not alert authorities, and then finally his career came to its proper culmination when he murdered a father and his two sons in 2008. So that was uh, one thing. Then there was a giant uh, scandal uh, with the uh, the crime labs uh, where um, she really trampled over uh, due process and individual rights, which is wild. Um, and a lot of my friends in the libertarian community who are Democrats uh, because they hate Trump have said, oh, my God, I might have to vote for Trump. I can't vote for this woman. She's uh, behind some of the most egregious civil rights violations in the last 20 years, which is an interesting uh, phenomenon. She has. Um, and we were talking last hour how uh, for most of America, for most normal people, this hasn't even really started yet. They, right. they, they haven't started paying attention. And good for you, um, you know, to do this for a living and. It's uh, I find it interesting, but normal people don't follow this this, this closely. They don't they don't know who Joe Biden. They don't know what Joe Biden's about. They certainly don't know what Kamala Harris is about. Um, but the polling right now is she's way on the upside. She's well over fifty percent. It's like mid fifties to mid twenties in terms of approval disapproval. Um, which is interesting for someone who got out of the race before Iowa. Among Democrats, mm-hmm. nobody was even interested in her enough for her to stay in and see if she could finish in the top four. Yeah. I mean, that, that's just amazing. Right. Well, uh, one thing I know about Kamala Harris is the more you see her and hear her, the less you like her. She's really unlikable. Which is why she wasn't on any of the Sunday shows yesterday. Yeah. And they're probably going to try to keep her off the stage as much as they can. Right. So, but my point is, she's peaked. That approval rating will never be as high and, in fact, will plunge. As people get to know her. I thought it was pretty interesting. I didn't even catch this last week. So when Biden introduced her in front of the press and they were going to take questions, as soon as it was question and answer time, Biden left the room. Yeah. And it was just her answering questions. Yeah. That's wild. It is. It's so unprecedented. I mean, at least for the last 110 years. Well, lots of people. Warren would, G. Harding didn't have much to say either. But. Lots of people would do it if you thought you could pull it off. Back in the day, you wouldn't have been able to pull it off. No. But if the press is going to go along with you, then yeah, might right. as well. Right. Uh, you may notice we haven't talked about the idiotic Postal Service controversy. I can give you the quickie summary of it, just so you know what all the talking heads are talking about. But it's it's the Trump reversy of the week. I mean, it's really kind of silly. Um, But we could talk about that briefly in a little bit. Oh, gosh, there's a university. Um, It's gone way, way down the woke road to the point of, oh, my God, are they serious? Uh, It's essentially the kids have have to take a loyalty oath um, to uh, anti-racism. Tell you about that. Uh, All sorts of good stuff. Interesting, anyway. Oh, you know what? Uh, One follow-up just popped into my head. We were talking, I guess it was last hour, about the incredible, the, the historic outflow of people 
from L.A., from San Francisco, uh, from some other cities. Numbers just came out. New York has seen a 120% increase in apartment vacancies. More than doubled the number of vacancies as people are fleeing America's big cities. And it's not just a temporary thing. It's not just about the vid. It's, it's all sorts of things coming together, including the COVID. But um, I thought that was interesting, echoing what we were saying last hour. Well, California, we talked about this last week. First time anybody's ever thought about doing this anywhere in the United States. Actually taxing your savings. Right. If they feel like you've got too much. Right. And it's going to apply the way it was written to residents who have left the state within the last 10 years. Oh, boy. So if you left now, sorry, you're not even close to in time. You need to leave 11 years ago. Boy, tax attorneys are going to be making a buck. Are you kidding me? I have no how idea does how that con- work. I have no idea if that's constitutional or not, or how that works. Probably not. But that that never stops anything in California. Wow, the that idea is just being outrageous. that well, you've got this much in your four hundred one k and your savings and your stocks. You clearly have more money than you need. You probably did something wrong to end up with that. So we're going to tax it at this rate. Yeah. And as Joe pointed out. Last week, the the number is currently a very high number. You have to have $15 million or whatever it is. So most people think, well, that's not me. But you know that will be whittled down over the years uh, to include a heck of a lot more people. But the fact that they would go after you if you left any time in the last 10 years, Mm -hmm. that's absolutely amazing. I have to find that piece we were talking about. It was several weeks ago, but it it really tripped something in my head that I hadn't thought about before. And that's the incredible power in a system like ours of people voting with their feet. Now, Jack thinks that sounds disgusting. Oh, Use gross. your hands. Oh, gross. But your gnarly, sweaty feet up there on the lever. He's a sick enough. Again, you, you misunderstand me. But the Wall Street Journal has an editorial about, about the coming urban exodus, and you're seeing it more and more. Chicago's had an enormous outflow of population for reasons that are self-evident. San Francisco, L.A., and and I gotta believe Seattle is next, and and probably Portland. Uh, although the authorities there are loath to admit it, people thinking, "All right, this has gotten completely out of hand." And we did that story on Friday about California's proposed savings tax. They call it a wealth tax, of course, because to be successful is evil and proof that you're a bad person. Um, but uh, I ran into a number of people in real life who'd heard about the savings tax on our show and said the same thing. That's it. I'm leaving. And the next 10 years going to be... Uh, well, obviously, whoever wrote this or the people writing this trying to get it through realize that'll be the reaction. That's why they've got to do the uh, goes back 10 years thing. Yeah, I would love... You know, we need to reach out to a tax attorney. i got to figure out how enforceable that is. If that's enforceable, I mean, that's just an obscenity. That that's Isn't that like the end of federalism? Uh, if they can chase you down... You've been gone since 2014, and one state can say, Hey, we want more of your money. You used to live here. Give us some of your money. I mean, that's the, that's the freaking mafia. <laughs> It's, you know, you got to grow a mustache and move to Mexico, man. The only option. Is the mustache obligatory? That seems like it would help. Makes me itch. Uh, can I go with like a sensible mustache goatee combo? Mine is patchy. Look, I got I got a mange thing happening. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I got I look like a dog along the side of the road. Mangy mustache. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yes. We get a false one. Get a theatrical mustache. There you go.
You could walk down the street, buenos dias, buenos dias, and then go home and take it off for your comfort. It's the perfect solution. Are you leaving California for Mexico? Have you tried Joe's artificial mustaches? I'm telling you, variety styles, sizes, custom fit. We'll send you a template in the mail. Hold it to your face. Make notes. Send it back. We'll manufacture you a real human hair mustache made from Chinese dissidents. There you go. Only three payments, three easy payments of $29.95. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. It's probably the case that you're going to have a period of immunity that can last anywhere from 6 to 12 months. It's going to be highly variable. Some people will have less immunity. Some people will have slightly more. But it's good news that they're able to document that people have really sterile immunity. They're not going to get reinfected for at least three months and probably longer than that after infection. Interesting. Scott Gottlieb there, the uh, oft-quoted doctor who used to run the FDA, Um I hope that's true. I think a lot of us were hoping you get lifetime immunity, but I guess we'll take six to 12 months because at some point there's a tipping point and the virus just can't spread because there aren't enough uh, ready hosts. And then it just kind of, you know, withers away and goes away. Um, Let's go ahead and follow up with uh, clip 45. Probably a long way from herd immunity. If you look at the seroprevalence studies overall, maybe 8% of the population as a whole has been exposed to this. In outbreak states like Arizona, it might be higher, closer to 25% based on some modeling, maybe as high as 20% in Florida based on certain modeling, and 15% in Texas. We know the seroprevalence in New York City is 20%. So that's getting closer to a level of immunity where the rate of transmission will start to decline. It's not quite herd immunity, but you're going to see declines in the rate of transmission because of that. That, that level of infection. That also goes a long way to explaining how New York or parts of California or, or wherever, I, I mean, I could cite a dozen examples. They're doing great because X. Then they have this huge surge in cases and hospitalizations and deaths and all, and then it gets better. And then the media says, well, they're doing better because of X. But once you get to, and we had a, a scientist send us this several weeks ago, but he said herd immunity is great, but once you pass a tipping point, and I think he said it's somewhere in the low 20s percent, um, the virus just it runs into too many dead ends, and it starts to go away. And so I just think various parts of the country are getting to that tipping point. Um, and there's so much that's still not known about this damn thing. So frustrating. And I'm not one of those numbskulls who watches, you know, some sort of drama on CBS on Tuesday night and thinks, you know, complicated criminal cases get locked up with perfect certainty by DNA evidence furnished by really handsome people and sexy girls. Or, you know, the medical mysteries are solved by Dr. House in the course of, you know, an hour. But having said that, it's still so frustrating that we know so little about this right. Chinese bat fever. I'm using a lot of soap. That's good policy, Bernie. That's a good idea. Yeah. Uh, But on that note, this is a a series of new studies. They're not yet peer-reviewed, but they're heavyweights. Uh, Marion Pepper, an immunologist from the University of Washington. Uh, There's an immunologist at the University of California being quoted. Um, series of new studies have revealed signs of strong and lasting immunity in people who developed mild coronavirus infections. Um, 
This is exactly what you would hope for, said an immunologist at the University of Washington. All the pieces are there to have totally protective immune response, which seems to differ with what Scott Gottlieb was just saying. Um, while scientists have yet to forecast how long the immune response will last. Oh, there we go. Okay, They've uh, been monitoring immune response to the virus for months now. They believe the recent findings are encouraging signs. Uh, this is very promising, says the uh, person from uh, University of California. This calls for some optimism about herd immunity and potentially a vaccine. Okay. So, well, my son needed some skateboard stuff, so we stopped by the skateboard shop, which is open. I thought it was kind of interesting. I talked to the guy who, who runs the place, and they got a loan from the federal government, the state, and some sort of local thing that was help keeping businesses open. But he had nothing there. I mean, the place was just, like, empty. And we were going to buy some skateboard wheels, and they just didn't have what we're looking for. And they wow. usually have everything. And he said, yeah, the supply chain is just completely a mess for places shutting down from coronavirus, stuff like that. And we went to, where was the other place? We went somewhere else, you know, another completely unrelated thing where your choices were so limited. Yeah. It'll take forever to recover on that. And did we ever need to do that? Did we ever need to shut down production at some place, or could they have just put on masks and kept going? Yeah. So they're struggling to stay open, getting loans, but open and have no product. Right. And there's so many stores and restaurants like this. I've run into that with golf clubs, mattress sets. Right. Uh, all sorts of manufacturing and supply chains are broken. Oh, man. And yet the stock market's sky high still. Odd. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Oh, snap. How you doing? Hi, buddy. How are you? How are you? The name's I'm, Joe. Well, hello there, Joe. Uh, as a matter of fact, me. why don't you meet my daughter? The love of my life. The life of my love. She's a fan of yours. Hi, a, how are you? This Hi, is Ashley. You? Good. How are you doing? You know the I'm nickname good, she Joe. gave her father when she was growing up? She'd call me Joey B. So yeah. we may be related or something. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's, that's a charming interview with Joe Biden and Cardi B. Jeez, that's t- that's unfortunate. So you got the delay, the trying to do it online. We've all done this with our Zoom meetings. You try to get your line in the same time they do, and you both kind of laugh, but nobody understood what anybody said. <laughs> and Plus, just- Cardi's got that medical condition we described last week, her hit song. Oh, that's right. Oh, geez. That's terrible. That's terrible. You got to wear an adult diaper. Oh, boy. Um, uh, And then Joe Biden, who always comes off as a very nice guy, um, but he sounds so old. Just sounds like a really old man, which they know, which is why he's not doing any real interviews. He did an interview with Cardi B? Hard hitting. It's the only interview he's done. So when is AOC speaking at the so-called convention, which I won't watch? This week. That's all I know. Okay. Now, now I heard she was going to speak. Then I heard she was only getting a minute to introduce. Then I heard she was going to speak. So whatever's going to happen, I don't know. But over the weekend, she um, blasted the NYPD union's endorsement of Trump. NYPD union endorsed Trump. I'm sure this is part of their neighborhood outreach plan, she said. Also, does anyone else see a potential problem with police unions enforcement arms of the state with lethal weapons promoting preferred candidates for office, or oh, is that just stop me? stop it. In their announcement <laughs> on Friday, the union boss, Pat Lynch, acknowledged it was almost unheard of 
for the police union to endorse for president of the United States, but said current circumstances required it. I have 36 years on this job. I cannot remember when we've ever endorsed for the office of president. He said, but this is how important this is. Mr. President, we're fighting for our lives out here. We don't want this to spread to the rest of the country. We need your strong voice across this country. So that's interesting. That whole breakdown in, uh, you know, law and order versus, versus oppressive police versus we need money for mental health, not police right. versus I'm scared to walk out of my house. You know, trying to figure out where that's going to land. I don't have any idea. I keep coming back to this theme, partly because uh, during commercial breaks, I keep reading about it because I'm so interested in it. And that's the uh, <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> Joe's allergies, got it. Joe's got it. I'm certain it's allergies. Uh, it's the uh, the flow of population from one place to another as a political phenomenon. It's voting with your feet, essentially. Um, and the incredible outflow from America's big cities, and this goes directly to what Jack was just talking about, Boston, Chicago, L.A., Miami, New York, San Francisco, and Washington are all leaking people or gushing people. Um, hardly any, and that was before the pandemic, and now it's exploded. And this is the, uh, I believe the Wall Street Journal's editorial board, but they say, hardly anyone disputes that the coronavirus pandemic was going to affect individuals' trust in the human density of urban living. Many were already daunted by the possibility of again enduring a shutdown, etc., in comparatively small quarters in a city. They mentioned the uh, George Floyd. Well, I'll read it to you. Last May witnessed the killing of George Floyd, followed by nonstop street marches and significant looting in multiple city centers, the ones already losing population. New York, as always, Philadelphia, Chicago, Cleveland, Milwaukee, St. Louis, Minneapolis, Seattle, Los Angeles, Portland, on and on. Urban dwellers are resilient, but these simultaneous events have forced people to face a hard reality. In just three months, it has become clear that modern urban progressivism is politically incompetent and intellectually co- incoherent. I would agree completely. This goes back to what we've been talking about for a long time. M- my great slogan is, it's not even a slogan, it's just a, it's a summary. It's, Joe's got a slogan. I don't have a slogan. I misspoke. I'm sloganless. If you can think of a slogan for me. Email at mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. Bye, Menon. That's a good slogan. If it's going to be insulting, make it funny at least, all right? I, 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 I'm I, a human being. I don't enjoy being hurt. <laughs> anyway, here's my explanation. Um, order without compassion is brutality, and nobody wants that. No, no. Only, you'd have to be a fascist. You'd have to be a fascist from Antifa. There's a video at armstrongandgetty.com. I haven't watched it. I don't know if you want to watch it. They beat a man near to death. It's just terrible, just merciless. But order without compassion is brutality. But compassion without order is chaos and ugliness and crime and people crapping in the street and people fleeing by the millions. Does that, start, does that sound at all familiar to you? That's what we have in all these blue cities. We have compassion without order. And and people are voting with their feet in numbers unseen in American history. We left the skateboard park yesterday. We're getting ready to leave. And uh, we heard the unmistakable sound of a crazy homeless person. They have a particular sound because you, you know it if you live in those areas. Yeah. And I said, uh, well, we better go out this way so we don't have to go by whoever that is. You know, I don't know if he was yelling at anybody or a park bench or whatever, but um, I said, well, I said, why do we have to live like this? I said, that's a very good question. 
why we have to go this way out of the park instead of that way, because that guy gets that entrance to the park to Good himself. Good question, son. Yeah, yeah. And one more note from this piece, which I think is beautifully well written. Uh, Historically, the media and press have served an arbitrating function among competing urban forces. No longer. Through the pandemic and now the protests, much of the urban-based media have become bizarrely invested in apocalyptic storylines. Mm, but tough metaphor uh, coming, folks. Picking it scab after scab. Ew. And problem after problem with not much effort at sorting substantive policy alternatives other than heading deeper into the progressive frontier. The message being sent is that progressive governance is at best ambivalent about maintaining civil order. The net result the past three months have has been a sense in many cities of irresolvable chaos, stress, and threat. How much of a vote, though, how many people's votes are going to be on any issue more than it's about Trump's personality? Oh, I'm not, I'm not talking so much about just the November election. I'm talking about uh, long-term demographic oh, and no electoral doubt. trends. No doubt. No doubt. And study history for a number of reasons. Number one, it makes you smarter. Number two, it's so interesting. And then you see it unfolding in the present day, and you recognize the patterns. The 1960s led directly to the 1970s, okay? In terms of... Real uh, math wizard over here. (laughs) Somebody with a real understanding of the direction of time. My simplicity (laughs) is actually complexity, Sean. (laughs) Snatched the pebble from my hand, Grasshopper. Now, don't tell me what followed the 70s. Oddly enough, the 90s. Oof. And we retreated back to the 80s. <laughs> now, uh, and, and we are absolutely recreating the late 60s. Yeah. Oh, right yeah. Now, chaos, ugliness, lawlessness, anger over uh, some uh, gripes that are legit. Some are imagined. You have crazy people. Crazy people. Like, you know, old Bill Ayers and the Weather Underground and and some of the other activist groups of the day not being called to account by their ideological cousins on the left. Because, well, I'm kind of with them, and so they're not being called out. And it is going to lead to people either voting massively with their feet, and you'll see swaths of the great cities of America empty and decaying, uh, and then policy will change. Order will return, maybe even get overdone. Um, but I think the Wall Street Journal board is absolutely right that, um, uh, where is that that quote? Modern urban progressivism is politically incompetent and intellectually incoherent. Wall Street Journal also did a good job at looking at the numbers behind the numbers on some new polling that's out about the presidential election that mm. really shows an enthusiasm gap that is astounding. And uh, that matters, man. It's all about turnout, right? We'll see if, well, not if it's mail-in. I don't know how much enthusiasm you need to put something in the mail. What? Um, But we'll hit you with that coming up. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. day in the history of the planet yesterday 130 degrees in death valley california 130 it's not called pleasant valley it's not called comfy valley it's death valley what do you want i've driven across the very bottom of death valley a a number of times 
motorcycles, cars, stuff like that. It's really something. It's so scenic, so beautiful, but it is freaking hot. I understand the springtime when the flowers are blooming. It's breathtaking. I've yeah. never been. It's pretty any Which time of year. Which is idiotic. It's pretty any time of year, really. Yeah. It's just, it's so beautiful there. Yeah. But it's, a, it's dang hot. warm. <laughs> oh, my God. I thought it was like 132 in Baghdad or something. Once. Those aren't verified, so they think this might be the record for a verified temperature. Really? Yeah. Huh. Wow. That's not good. <laughs> Um, <laughs> it isn't. <laughs> it's got kind of a uh, uh-oh feel to it. Um, so you got a couple of new polls out. ABC is out with a poll in which uh, Biden's got, I think, a ten-point lead nationwide among likely voters. NBC, Wall Street Journal out where he's got a nine-point lead. It's been fairly consistent. That's a pretty decent-sized lead. But the Wall Street Journal takes a look at the numbers behind the numbers. Asked to rate their feelings for each candidate, thirty percent of those polled felt very positive toward Trump, about half as much for Biden at 18%. Oh. So the very positive feeling among the supporters, and even though he's got a fair 18. amount more support, he's got he's still got about half the number of, that, are, that are passionate about it. That's pathetic. Um, That's going to affect turnout. It's all about turnout, Jack. Excitement equals turnout. Polls times turnout equals results. <laughs> what was the phrase? Very supportive? Was that the... Uh, very positive. Very positive. Yeah. But if you reframed it, how many of you are very positive that Biden is not Donald Trump? Yeah. I think oh, you yeah. get a very different answer. Absolutely. But Absolutely. Without turnout. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, on the question of how they would feel if Trump or Biden were elected president, 27% said they feel optimistic and confident that Trump would do a good job. Only 19% feel the same way about Biden. G-money! <laughs> he may be the worst candidate ever. Well, it's just, well, it's just, he's it's just, it's a, it's nothing. It's not, it's not, it, you don't even need a candidate. You just need to put, we'll put a Democrat in there. Yeah. Would be, would be the candidate. It's just whether or not to you, be named later. you want another four years of Donald Trump or not is the presidential race, period. But what about turnout? Well, right, so, um... I've been saying for a long time, it seems like everything is breaking against Trump. If you didn't have Corona, well, obviously coronavirus caused the economy to collapse. Trump was probably going to get reelected without that and everything like that. But and because I believe his response has been less than stellar. But because of coronavirus, Biden doesn't have to come out. So a guy that uh, normally I think would be getting daily beaten up for his age and his misstatements and everything like that. He had misstatements regularly when he was a young man. Oh, yeah. I mean, if he were out there on the trail like a normal presidential campaign going from state to state on a plane from 6 in the morning until 11 at night, he would be saying some wacky stuff. Mm -hmm. But he's able to avoid it because of the corona. And a number of other things that are just, you know, there's not going to be the normal debate, if any debate whatsoever. And also the fact that with this mail-in voting, that that enthusiasm would be huge If most people were going to go to the polls on November 3rd and vote that way. But all you got to do now with the tremendous amount of mail-in voting that we've got is you only have to hate Donald Trump enough for 15 minutes to decide, all right, that's it. And that day could be tomorrow or the month after that or the month after that. Mm. Just all you need to do is get worked up for 15 minutes. Say, On the day you have your mail-in ballot. ballot right? Where's my damn ballot? That's oh. it. I can't take him another tweet. You ruined my formula. And I really so think he, that's going to be an important thing. You don't you don't need the enthusiasm of actually showing up to the polls and whatever the weather is that day. Right. 
Yeah, wait in line. Yeah, oh my gosh. Now, in a couple of places, mail-in ballots have benefited Republicans. Yep. Oh yeah, they're they yeah more than absolutely true. But this is pretty interesting. I wonder um, if we'll see. And and this is so f- fun in a way to watch unfold because we don't know the answers. Old folks famously turn out more than anybody. I wonder if those numbers are about to be squashed by old folks who, you know, just mail in a ballot, who are politically aware, they're paying attention, they care. But it was, I mean, even the great turnout among oldsters is nowhere near 100%, not even close. Oh, God, no. Another 20% of oldsters vote? Well, currently, 72% of Trump supporters plan to cast their votes in person. 62% of Biden supporters plan to cast theirs by mail, which is one of the reasons that you're going to have way more Biden votes get thrown in the trash because they didn't... Uh, because Trump's the new Hitler! <laughs> because Trump's the new Hitler. Now, a, a, a big chunk of mail-in ballots don't make the signatures wrong or the postmarks wrong or just you didn't fill it all out right or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so millions of ballots are going to get thrown in the trash. Uh-oh. And they're almost... You know, overwhelmingly going to be Democrat just because of the number of Democrats that are going to vote that way. So it's there's a real recipe for some for some ugliness. I actually have the good. Is this it? Let me see. So you could have Trump. Okay, here you go. W- winning a state by three thousand votes and twenty five thousand votes are thrown in the garbage. Oh, easily. Oh easily. no, that will be ugly. Yeah. Um, this from the Dispatch podcast, kind of the worst case scenario, although they see it as certainly decently likely. There's an easily foreseeable potential constitutional crisis that could strain this nation to the breaking point, said David French over the weekend in the, oh, good. In the dispatch. Suppose that Trump again loses the popular vote, yet narrowly wins an electoral college majority, while potentially millions of mail-in ballots are disqualified. There would be enormous pressure on multiple blue state governors to reject the results and resist federal authority. As I've said, this danger is so plain that it's like we're on the deck of the Titanic yelling iceberg, iceberg, and no one is listening. You could see that happening. Blue state governors saying, we do not accept this. We will not, you know, verify this. That's the way it works. Yeah. We will not verify our our delegates. Sure. Or you'll say, you know, these laws for assessing mail-in ballots were passed under Republican administrations of the past and are illegitimate. They are disenfranchising voters, disproportionately minority voters. I'm just thinking of the rhetoric as I go. And it'd be another one of those, whether they mean it or not, or believe it or not, doesn't really matter, but they're in a state where the vast majority of their constituents are howling, and they they got to put up with it, whether they believe it or not. That's it. I'm back on the bandwagon. You remember who my chosen candidate was in 2016, Ugliness and chaos? No, no. Alex Baldwin. No, not him either. Smod. Oh, that's right. Sweet meteor o death. Cataclysmic population destroying meteor hits the world and ends it all. That is my candidate. That's our only chance. Speaking of David Those French. Those of us who retreat to caves and start the human race anew. Oh, I wish I hadn't gotten a uh, vasectomy. That'd be exciting to start the race anew. Speaking of David French. And you know me all night long, man. I'd be good at it. He wrote over the weekend. Sorry, of, that was horrifying. David French <laughs> wrote over the weekend, and he was quoting that Jason Whitlock piece that you read from last week, and he agreed with it. There's no way those other cops in the George Floyd killing are going to get convicted of anything. Nope. And there's a really decent chance that the guy who murdered him doesn't get convicted of much either. 
Yeah, and there we'll are going to be the judgment there. We'll have a trial, and there are going to be riots all across this country. So when is that happening? Is it that's not happening before the election? Could it happen though between the election and when they name who the winner is? Because that could take months, as we are just laying out. You have that craziness. They haven't figured out who's president, and both sides are claiming the other side's stealing it. And they come out and say, those officers are free to go, and this guy's getting third degree at best. Smod! 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 This isn't a joke. This place, this country will be, they'll be rioting all over the place. Wow. Wow. It's not out of the realm. Oh, no, no, that's not... In fact, it's likely. Yeah, exactly. It's likely. That's not a, this could happen if all these pieces fall together. No, that's a real decent chance of that happening. Mm. I'm just thinking down the line, what will that bring us? It will bring enormous violence and and further decay to the cities we've been talking about. Further uh, population loss. For all the talk about this being the most important election of our lifetimes, maybe that midterm election in 2022 is going to be the big one. After all this crap happens, whoever wins or not, the riot and everything like that, that next round where where the country decides, okay, we got to go this way or that way. I can't even come to terms with this round. <laughs> and you're throwing the next round at me? What are you, glutton for punishment? <laughs> Can you contribute to Smod online? How does that work? Armstrong and Getty.